Welcome to episode 145 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samples. What do I want you to know about me? This is the larger than life question looming over me a few months ago as I sat down to update my about page on my website. My work had evolved quite a bit since I launched a rebranded website in late 2015. I was so busy testing new ideas and offering pilot programs that my website needed some love because it no longer reflected who I was and the value I offered. In fact, the free masterclasses that I had been creating on a range of topics were not accessible from my website, only through standalone landing pages, and that's only if you have the direct link. The more program for entrepreneurial women had barely a mention on a page that listed all the ways to engage with me. Videos of me keynoting were only on my Start Here page and not actually on my Speaking page. And my About page was desperately in need of an overhaul. I'd heard time and again that the About page is the most visited page after the home page. And I checked. For me, it's actually the third behind my podcast page and home page. I was not making the most of those visits. I was not telling a story about who I was and the value I could offer. So I did some work on my site over the last few months, and it's getting better, but it's still not quite there. I mean, I'd like to create a new homepage that highlights my work as a keynote speaker and relationship-based business strategist. I think that's still a bit hidden on my site. But progress has been made, and I'm curious what you think of these updates. You're familiar with my work? What have I left out or not properly emphasized? Take a look at RobbieSamuels.com and then reach out to let me know your thoughts. You can find me at Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. I'm excited to hear from you, and thank you in advance for your feedback and encouragement. Your challenge for this week. When is the last time you took a look at your online assets? Copy and paste your bio from your website onto a Google Doc. Do the same with LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, etc., Read it all aloud, and you'll notice discrepancies and omissions. Look for opportunities to turn 15 years to since 2004, so it doesn't need to be updated every year. Or simply switch it to over 15 years, and then you know update it every five years or so. You may also find a typo or two that was overlooked when you first entered it. Try this, and let me know how it goes. Now, onto this week's show. Today's guest helps her clients grow profitable businesses to create lives that they love. She's a speaker, international business growth strategist, author of The Heart of Entrepreneurship, It's Your Time to Shine, and the host of the Thought Leaders Business Lab podcast. She has 25 years of personal experience in building and growing businesses and has spent the last eight years helping people turn their expertise into a thriving business so they can have more income, freedom, and impact. She uses three key principles of positioning, profile, and leverage to help people become the go-to authority in their industry. Please join me in welcoming Samantha Riley. Hey, how are you, Robbie? I'm so pleased to be here with you today. Well, good day to you down in Sydney, Australia. Fantastic that technology allows us to have this conversation. 
across all the time zones. I know. How cool is that? Absolutely. It's pretty amazing. It so is. as you know, um, you and I had a great conversation. I was a guest on your show. And yes. so I had to have you on mine as well. Um, and I think we have a lot to talk about. And this is a show about community and relationships and building uh, connections. And the context is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? We can use lots of words for it, but I think that it's really hard to define what it is logically just using words. Like there is words, but there's also a feeling, you know, a great leader, you just know they're a great leader. And and we can use words. Um, I think it's really important for a leader to have great vision because it's pretty hard to steer a team or, you know, if you have no idea where you're going. I think a great leader needs to have a lot of courage to make the decisions that are that are right. Um, but I think a really great leader lets go of their ego and it's because it's not about them, it's about what they're collectively doing. And I think if I look at great leaders, they just don't let their ego get in the way. They have the courage to make the decisions that are right for the team, no matter what it means to them personally. And, and for me, that's what is a really, really inspirational leader. Mm, I like that part because oftentimes, sometimes, you know, people will, will get ahead in life because um, of success they're having, but they make it about themselves. And mm. those decisions they make are then really about themselves. But you're saying like when they get past that point and they're really making decisions that are best for the team, best for their community, um, and go forward in that direction, like ego pushed aside, I mean, egoless or you know, just mm. turning away from that. That's, yeah, I think that's a really key principle of leadership. So when did you start to see that for yourself? Like, was there early evidence that Sam was going to be a leader? Yeah. So this is really interesting because I did go into business when I was really young. I was only 20 when I started my first business. And, you know, at 20, <laughs> oh, I felt so mature, but I wasn't very mature, right? And I think, that I did, you know, my ego did get in the way. It was like, this is my business and it's going to be my way or the highway. And, you know, I probably wasn't the easiest person to work with. I mean, you know, I was friendly. I wasn't awful to my to my staff, but I don't think that I included them as well as I could have. And that is something that I, I definitely learnt to do. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, back then you could almost describe the way that I did things almost like management. You know, if you look at a corporate structure, you've got the managers that are do this, do that. They make decisions based on whether they think they're, you know, going to get booted out of that position or their, their style is very different. And usually when you look at the CEOs or the people that are, you know, right up at a high level, those people are very different. They ask very different questions like, how are you? How are you feeling? You know, how, what are your challenges right now? And I think that I transitioned that as I got older and started to understand when my staff feel valued, like when I actually really value them instead of thinking, oh my goodness, I'm tired. I don't feel like coming to work today. You need to be here. As soon as I turned that around, that's when things started falling into place. Um, and I do like to talk about that often because we can sit up here and say, you know, this is what leadership should be. But unless we share the stories of this is where I went wrong, other people aren't able to turn around and go, oh, well, what am I doing? And maybe I shouldn't beat myself up that I'm not getting the team to 
to to be cohesive, which, you know, I certainly didn't back in the early days. I used to think, why won't these, you know, why won't my team like pull together and do what they need to do? But I think what they were doing was reflecting back to me that no one really knew what was happening. They didn't know why they were doing certain things. And once we could get that together and I let my ego go, then that's when it all started to pull together. So in answer to your question, it probably wasn't until I was in my early 30s that I really got it and started to notice that when I acted differently, that people would act differently. So that, yeah. And from there, then I started to realize, oh, this is now I'm starting to understand. But I think it's always the learning curve. You know, I'm still learning and and will be forever and ever and ever. Absolutely. And I, I mean, to be 20 years old in charge of something like that and having a staff that, you know, they're making money off, you know, working with you and so you want to make sure you're treating them right. And that's a ton of responsibility for anybody, but particularly someone who's just getting started and learning as they go. What about even before all of that? Like the, even the idea that you were willing to step out and be an entrepreneur at 20 years old, were you entrepreneurial as a kid? Were you... <laughs> like one of the kids selling things all the time? Yeah, that was totally me. I remember the very first time that I was selling things, I would have been, okay, I was in year four at school, so it was probably like eight or nine, and I was making these like sticky toffee things after school, you know, I was making them in in my mum's kitchen and I would take them to school and like I remember people go, oh, can we have one, can we have one? And I made a whole batch one night and handed them out and then I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this every night for free, man. You guys got to pay up. And seriously, that was my first business. And I used to carry this uh, like ice cream tub that had been washed out and they all went in the ice cream tub. And every day I would walk into school with my ice cream tub and and I would sell them. And uh, yeah, that was definitely my first business. That's really cool. And now I have to share with you that when I was a kid, I used to chew a lot of gum. And people would always ask for gum because they knew I always had gum. And I got tired of giving away my gum and started charging people for gum. And then I went to one of those like wholesale places like a Costco BJ's and started buying candy in bulk. And I would buy it for about a quarter a piece and sell them for 50 cents a piece. And, my, <laughs> and my, I didn't drive. So I was convinced my parents to drive me there every few days to like <laughs> replenish. And then I had a friend who like, she, I think she had an eating disorder and she just wasn't eating very much. But I brought her a breakfast sandwich one day from the deli and she ate it. And I was like, wow, I should just do that. And so then people were like, well, where's my sandwich? So next thing you know, I'm making bagel sandwiches in my house at uh-huh. night, taking orders from people, making the food at night and then heating it up in the morning and bringing it in. And my cousin actually got me a business card. My first business card wow. <laughs> says bagels plus. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that is so cool. Yeah, Robbie's I'm, food truck selling bagels. Plus. I know, right? But <laughs> like you, I was like, I had a bag that was like insulated that I threw them all in to like, yeah, keep it nice. So I, it's cool to see that spirit. It, it started really early on. And that, that's a different kind of leadership than, you know, running for office and things like that um, or being a captain. But clearly you're, you're willingness to step out at a young age. So, um, uh, where did you go? I mean, tell us a little bit about your career path. What was the business you had at 20 years old? So the business I had when I was 20, my very first business, because I've had a few, was a dance studio. 
And at the time I was working in corpora, I was in large uh, government department and I had two little babies at home. So my second baby was only six weeks old when I went and, and started here. And I, I liked the job and, you know, a good government job is what our family thinks is fantastic. And I was just like, why do they think this is so good? Like everyone's here and no one's happy and they were lovely people but no one ever smiled and, the, you know, the people that I was working with were all like the age of my parents or older. It's the only job they'd ever had in their whole life and I'd been there probably about, gosh, not even 12 months and I don't know what it was but I can distinctly remember to this day looking up and looking around and going, oh, my goodness, if I stay here, this is going to be me in like, 40 years time and not smiling and like resent, you know, they were all resentful of having that job. And I thought, this is crazy. So I decided to open up a dance studio while I was still working there. And why did I decide a dance studio? It was because I danced my whole life and I'd always had a dream of, of being a dance teacher. So that was just the, you know, that just came straight to mind. And I ended up running that dance studio for 20 years. Um, and so that was that was the first uh, business I had. And then within the first six months of having that open, we opened up a dancewear store because I realised there was nowhere for my parents to go to to get their children's dance uniforms that was close by. So I just noticed that there was uh, a hole in the marketplace. I decided to fill it. And that was the part where well, obviously running a dancewear store in the day and teaching at night, I couldn't stay at, at my government job. So I left, I think about the time I was 21, I was out of there. That's, a, that's really incredible. The one that you landed, what other people think of as like an, a, a stable, you know, comfortable, good job, you know, good government job right out of school, like ready to go. And then suddenly you're like, actually, I have this other desire. And mm-hmm. you saw, you, you followed your passion initially, mm-hmm. but then you mm-hmm. saw a hole in the market. Mm-hmm. And that built uh, on the heels of the first business, you were building a second business that were really a nice um, addition to it. Um, and 20 years is a nice long run for anything. I mean, that's a lot of time. So I want to hear a little bit about what you're doing today, but I'm going to ask it a little differently. I'm going to ask you, uh, what do you find most rewarding about the work you do today? You know what I love, and it's why I do what I do, is because I think that everyone has a zone of genius that they're not tapping into, that if they did, they could be living their life as they want to live every day and really living a life that gives them the freedom to do what they want. And by freedom, I mean whatever it means to them, not to me, but to them. It might mean freedom to stay home with their children. It might mean freedom to travel the world. It might mean you know, freedom to not to have to worry about paying the bills. And I love marrying up, getting someone's genius zone that, you know, most of the time they don't even recognize and putting that together with their dreams of what they want their life to look like. And, you know, and watching people transform in front of my eyes. It's just the best thing ever. So cool. That's really awesome. So can you think of a story uh, of a client that you worked with that, you know, really sort of is a great example of this happening? Look, I mean, I've got clients that are doing all sorts of amazing things, but, you know, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite stories, and I think it's probably one of my favorites because it's a friend of mine, you know, she was, she had um, a daughter at home that she wasn't seeing a lot. She was always stressed because she was working, was putting pressure on her marriage because she just couldn't get the business to work the way 
you know, she knew that it should be. And she is an absolute genius at what she does and just couldn't quite get the, you know, the, the everything to line up in the right way. It's like, you know, what we do is like a mixing desk, right? We're, we're moving the dials to get the, you know, the program right, the messaging right, the, you know, everything that we do. And she just, she was moving the dials and couldn't get it to work. So, you know, life was a bit stressful for her. And we've got her to a point where she doesn't work at all when her daughter's not at school. She sees her before school, after school, family's happy, sweet dreams. And I love to tell that story because there's so many people saying we're freedom businesses lying on a, on a beach and drinking cocktails. Well, if that's what you want to do, that's cool. You know, for me, it is. <laughs> I love to travel. So I do travel a lot and, um, and that's what I love. But I love sharing that story because freedom is whatever it means to you. And for her, all she wanted more than anything was to spend time with her daughter. And now she's doing that. And I think that's fantastic. That's a great example too, because I think uh, people go into entrepreneurship being sold this idea that it's, it's entrepreneurship equals freedom. But if it's, if you don't have the right coach and the right community and the right supports in place, entrepreneurship is, you know, 14 hour days, you know, it's, it's like the hustle that never ends. And then you see these people that are like, you know, taking pictures of themselves on the beach <laughs> and selling you this like overnight success thing. But most people are at it for a really long time trying to, like you said, mix, mix everything, get dials all right, figure out the messaging. And, you know, I work with women who are in their 50s and 60s and they don't want to spend even three years like not getting it right. Like they don't have time to kind of like just keep trying to see what sticks and I think there's a luxury when you're younger to like play around with that. But most of the time people put off the dream of entrepreneurship. I think your story is a rare one where people jump right in, but I'm sure you're, you're finding a lot of your clients are coming to this after a long, long ex- low history of working in some sort of solid job. And now they're like, it's my turn to like finally live my dream. Totally. And you're the person they're turning to. I mean, where this is a great, amazing connection for you to have. Yeah, a lot of my clients have been in their expertise for between 20 and 40 years. Whether it's their own business or whether they've come from corporate, it actually doesn't matter. But yeah, they've been doing their thing for a really long time and they get to a point where they're like, it's my time. It's time to share my gifts. It's time to, you know, create this life that I want. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's sort of like um, in, income's important, but impact is even more important is it what, it, what I seem to get uh, from the people I work with. So, so that's, that's really cool. So what, what were some of the challenges as you morphed from owning this? Um, I mean, you had a, two brick and mortar businesses, um, which is its own type of work. And then you made a decision to kind of go into this business strategist space. Um, now, did you make that decision or did, that you, did you come to realize you were a business strategist? Like, How did you even morph into this new, new role that you are uh, currently occupying? Yeah. And I love this because it's always a journey. You know, when you speak to anyone and that's why I have a podcast just like you, because you hear people's stories and you're like, wow, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a journey. Um, And for me, I had been, uh, so I owned these two traditional bricks and mortar businesses with my then husband and we separated. And within a couple of days, we, you know, like I didn't have access to those businesses. It was quite, it was a weird scenario. But at that time, I was transitioning into personal training 
anyway. I'd already started working in the fitness industry because that was an extension of the dance studio. And when we separated, I started to do more workshops, more uh, wellness retreats, and that's what I was doing. And one of the pieces that kept coming up over and over especially in these retreats, was when people were starting to talk about what they really wanted in their life, it was about they wanted to share their message. They wanted to, you know, they'd they'd been working all their life, they'd been working hard and they wanted to make an impact. They wanted to leave a legacy. And the question that came up was, Sam, how do I do that? How do I start my business? How do I get myself out there? So I didn't choose business coaching. It chose me. And that transition happened and all of a sudden I was getting more business clients than I was getting wellness clients. And I was actually enjoying it more anyway, because I'd always been in business. I love talking about business and went, actually, let's just run with this. So that that's how I, that's how I yeah. made the transition. You know, this really fits well with a, um, I've been working on a model uh, about how we discover our ideal clients because they're the folks that are coming to us for advice, support, and services, but we're not thinking of them as prospective clients. It's the kind of people that you might like, like you love talking about business so much that you're happy to talk to them, but you never think, oh, I should charge you for this. You know? <laughs> and then it, like over and over again, people like come and ask you questions. And then it's like stopping and noticing that pattern of both what you're being asked about, which may not be the thing that you think of as your expertise, but it's, it's an adjacent expertise. Like I started getting asked about launching books after my book came out. And I had 150 reviews in a week. People were like, how did you do that? So suddenly I had this sort of new expertise people wanted, which, which was interesting because the people who came to me about it, though, tended to be these women in their 50s, these entrepreneurial women in the 50s and 60s who were trying to like up-level their business. And it was an interesting period of time where I, I was struggling to find a footing in the world of like coaching programs until I... I, ne- I recognized who was already coming to me. And when I, when I branded it that way and said, no, 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 I'm focusing and this is the community I'm going to focus on, it just clicks. And so I think that some of the people listening might have that same moment that you and I are having, which is like, if you're not quite finding, you know, it, it, it's working, pay attention. <laughs> pay attention to who's already coming to you and what they're coming to you for. So suddenly you morphed from a personal trainer to a business strategy coach. <laughs> it sounds like, crazy, but at the time it was so just normal. It just, you know, it course. just flowed without, you know, there wasn't a, I'm stopping this one day and, and doing this another day. You know, there was a transition period, but it just happened. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, in the you know in the show notes, I'm gonna put a link to the model that I was working on because I, I did a whole free masterclass on it. So folks can tune into that as well. I haven't really talked about it on this podcast, but I think this made me think of it, and I think it's a really cool. It's like part of us finding our passion is that you know we want to make it into an actual business, which means you have to figure out the clients, and sometimes we we spend a lot of time marketing ourselves as opposed to attracting. Like you already are attracting people. And so that's cool. That's a really cool. What, what was the struggle then? Like, what was the challenge? It sounds like you were just feeling your way through it and it just kind of kept morphing and progressing. But what was the stumbling block? What, was there a stumbling block as you made this shift? Of course. What it, in, it's entrepreneurship. Whatever happens, like straightforward. It actually, the transition actually happened really easily. We, and we built that business quite quickly. 
And the business was specifically coaching people how to start their businesses. Um, What happened was after probably about, I think it was about two and a half, three years down the track and it was doing really well. I was providing us a good income. I actually decided that if I'm going to be doing this forever, I am going to be really bored. I was starting to feel like I want to stab myself in the eye with a fork, really. Like, because when you're coaching startups, it is the same thing every single day. And this is really important. You know, it doesn't just matter what our skills are and what we can provide to the marketplace, but we also have to be, you know, we have to have a passion. We have to feel aligned. We have to feel excited and energized about what we're doing. And I just wasn't. I was feeling depleted and I was feeling you know, bored and anxious and and all of the other things. So it was a little bit of a struggle then to go, well, how how do I make this next transition? Also, you know, well, I still need to be able to financially support myself. Um, So that was my biggest, my biggest challenge because I didn't know what the next transition was. Everything else up until that point in my life had just happened. And all of a sudden, this was the first time in my life where I thought I actually like the transition isn't coming to me and I don't know what it is. Um, and, and that was the biggest challenge. Uh, and, and this piece is what I was going to mention before when you were saying, you know, pay, when you were talking about paying attention to people coming to you, not only should you pay attention to the kinds of people coming to you, but really pay attention to what they're asking because nine times out of 10, what they ask for is, is our genius zone, but we don't even notice it because what comes really, really, really easily to us that we didn't even think about, other people go, how do they do that so easily? And I hadn't acknowledged that. I hadn't acknowledged that people were coming to me saying, how do you you build your profile? How does everyone know who you are? How do, you know... how do you how did you position yourself there how to how did you build that profile so quickly and i still hadn't figured out oh that's what they're asking me just had not figured it yeah i i love this i i think it's it's really really important and and you and i are so on the same page about this you're also reminding me of dory clark um she is an incredible resource for this kind of thing uh, she's written several books but um her premise is you know to be a recognized expert you need content social proof and a network. And, you know, she sort of learned it the hard way. You learned it the hard way. I got to learn a lot from her. <laughs> so um, I shortcutted some of it and, and worked really hard at it to, to, to meet those uh, pieces. But yes, you know, really thinking about stepping up and n- sort of noticing that and then and sort of realizing like, just because that's the thing that comes easy to you, it, it, it's a passion of yours. That's part of why mm. it comes easy. It's a, there's a, could be a business in there. That's really neat. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you some questions about networking and just connecting. And, and, you know, what's cool is that I get a sense that, you know, people all over the world, that you're mm. a person who is both well-traveled, but also, uh, you're curious, um, you're invest time and energy into other people. You have this podcast, which is a great way to like invite people into your community so you're meeting people all the time and, you know, you've got this like, you know, work history that's pretty varied and interesting. How are you nurturing not just those like tight, you know, first degree connections, but that sort of second and third layer out, the people you see like annually at a conference or, um, you know, you're connected on LinkedIn, but you don't really talk every day, you know, how do you think about, or like, what's your philosophy or, or habits around supporting and connecting and sustaining those kinds of connections? 
Yeah. So I'm a big connector. I, I don't know if you know Wealth Dynamics, but in Wealth Dynamics, my profile is supporter. So I would probably give 10 referrals a day. And it's to the point that everyone else knows that I'm so well connected that they all reach out to me and go, Sam, I need an accountant. Who can you, who can you connect me to? And, you know, I'll go, okay, which, you know, which city are you in? Because I even know like all the accountants in all the cities kind of thing. So I think that being like tapping into my natural supporter um, profile is a really easy way to stay connected with people because I'm I'm giving referrals all the time. So, you know, on LinkedIn, if I haven't spoken to someone for a while, I'll, I'll reach out and say, hey, how are you going? You know, what are you up to? What's been going on? Because I want to know if they've changed niche, if they're doing something different so that, you know, I can keep up with what's going on in their world. I'm not saying that I'm the best at it because I do have quite a big network, but, you know, I'm constantly having these conversations all the time on LinkedIn, um, you know, on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm always chatting with people and saying, oh, you've, you know, you've got a new podcast. I know someone that you should interview on your show that's, you know, really amazing in that topic and I'll just connect them. So it's got nothing to do with me. I'm not actually getting anything out of it, but it's connecting other people and connecting their genius zones. And for me, that's, I'm tapping into, you know, what comes naturally to me to stay connected where, you know, naturally I don't really love going to networking events. I don't, it's, it's, you know, I go and I, I'm an, it's funnily enough, I am an extrovert and I love hanging out with people, but if I had to do it every night, oh wow, that would stress me out. So a great way for me to tap into my natural talents is to connect other people um, and have them shining in their genius zone. I think that's really nice. I that's it's actually really brilliant and it's underutilized I think most people do it rarely um and they don't think about doing it strategically um and they they it sounds like for you you're weaving it into your day it's just like if it crosses your mind you think well why not make the introduction I've worked with clients who say oh I've thought about that but then I don't do it like they think think there's a lot of steps that they have to think about how to do it and like well, what's the email look like and how do I make sure they both want to be introduced? But once you get into the rhythm of that, like that's, it's a habit and it's not hard at all, but they needed to like actually schedule time twice a week to sit down and have those kinds of, hmm, okay, who can I introduce or who can I reach out to? And then like form a little bit of a habit around it because like you said, once you have your eyes open, like you're seeing possible connecting all the time, and I also think that you're, this is an interesting way of, um, it's, it's very abundant and you're putting great energy out into the world. And when people see that, they then see that in you and they think about you like in a way that they want to help you, even if you haven't helped them. So I always, I talk about giving rides to the airport is my metaphor for this. You only give rides to people if you have a relationship and you have the resources of car and time. And of course, the person you're driving will like, show appreciation and acknowledge that it's a favor. And so if you get into the habit of driving people to the airport or picking them up or whatever they need, um, over time, you know, you're going to need a ride. And the cool thing is, is not only will you get a ride, but it's probably from someone you never even drove. It's from someone who knows that you're the kind of person that gives other people a ride to the airport. And so in your scenario, I'm sure that you being this connector, making introductions and referrals all the time, whatever you need, it's now, you know, one, one ask away, like people want to. Absolutely. 
I think that, P.S., I love that whole ride to the airport metaphor. I think that is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that a lot of people think more about what they need instead of taking that intention of what the other people need. And I don't do it because I know that other people are going to give me stuff back. That is not my intention at all. Like, seriously, you know, even at 10 o'clock last night, someone had reached out and I'm like, oh yeah, I know who you need to connect with. Like, I actually enjoy doing that. I'll probably never get anything back from that person. But that person now know, he well, for a start, he knew who to reach out to because he sees me connecting all the time. But I'll never know where that will end up. He may refer me to someone else and say, oh, you need to speak to Sam. You know, the person that got referred, it may be a brilliant business deal and, you know, they might reach out and say, I heard that, you know, blah, blah, blah. You just don't know where that referral is going to come from. And and I think that, you know, you look after your network and they'll look after you. I think that's, you know, what you, where you were going with your with your airport metaphor. Well, right. I mean, you know, uh, another way to look at this is that a network is an insurance policy. Mm. You know, no one mm. ever buys insurance expecting to use it. Yeah. Um, look, at, look to, you know, we're, I know that we're recording this in advance, but right today that, you know, Facebook's down, Instagram's down, there's problems with Google, there's problems with, I think I saw somewhere that Amazon's having problems. Well, if your whole life is online and, and that's how I do connect with people, you know, obviously we met on LinkedIn and you're an amazing connector. So you understood when I reached out and said hello that you say hello back, which a lot of people don't get. Um, but you know, if the internet went down today, I'll just pick up the phone. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go back and look in a phone book and go, you know, that person that I met on the other side of the world at that event two years, I really, I really want to connect with them. I'm going to give them a call and see how they're doing. You know, it's, it's actually, it's not that hard. It's not that hard and technology can be helpful, but, Mm -hmm. um, it also can be a barrier if people rely too heavily on it and think they're connected when really they're just friends but they haven't actually talked <laughs> in a long time. Use it as a, a, a tool, but yeah. not as like the be all and end all. Like it's, it's, it's a vehicle. It's a great vehicle to meet people, but it's not the, the only way to get there. Yeah, yeah that's it, awesome. There's lots of ways to get to the airport, not just the car. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for extending the metaphor. So <laughs> if we were to connect a year from now, and I'm hoping we stay in touch a lot between now and then, but we're, let's say we're chatting a year from now and we are celebrating all of your successes. What are we going to be toasting? What are you most looking forward to in the year to come? Yeah, the, look, this year I'm looking at, about connecting with more people in person around the world. Um, so I am heading over to the US in September to speak at MapCon and I'm going to be doing a whole heap of touring around when I'm over there. I'm hoping to visit Europe, but I do love to meet people in person. So the celebration will be all the new friends that I've made in person, definitely. Yeah, I expect to see lots of selfies being posted oh, as, we, totally. as we follow <laughs> Sam on her world tour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what an awesome, Absolutely. this is a, I was a very inspiring um, goal for next year because I think a lot of people talk about doing things like that, but I know that you'll actually do it. I oh, I travel all, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so Sam, how can people find you and follow your work? Yeah, so you can find me at my website, samanthariley.global. On the website, it's got all my social media handles, so I'm not going to bore you with all of those. Just head to the website and and grab those social media handles. And, um, yeah, there's a few freebies on there. Check it out or um, come and check out the Thought Leaders Business Lab. 
and uh, you get to hear me and Robbie jamming in the studio together as well. Yes, we will have all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Sam, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Samantha. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share it resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 145. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's episode. At the beginning of the episode, I was sharing all the ways I've been updating my website. I encourage you to go to RobbieSamuels.com and, and poke around a bit. There are a lot of great resources that are hopefully easier to find, such as my free masterclass series and the Pinterest-style podcast archive page, which I absolutely love. If you enjoyed this episode with Samantha, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.